praise to be for Christ alone. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Yoshi. I enjoyed the music this morning. There's a wonderful theme in the songs that we sang, and it's about Jesus Christ and Him coming to this world to be our Savior. Boy, the girls sure did a fine job on those fiddles, didn't they? I guess there's a difference between a fiddle and a violin, but boy, they just outstanding. I enjoyed that, and that's special. And the songs that were sung today, one day... You know, Jesus Christ came the first time, and He's going to come again. And that's what we sang this morning. I'm glad. I'm looking forward to Him coming. We had uh, quite a day yesterday. We had three work parties going yesterday. Can you imagine? Three work parties. Uh, we had one at Berean Baptist, getting ready for a wonderful memorial service over there. We had one here, sprucing up the property, and uh, boy, I tell you, they did a fine job, didn't they? I think Pastor Nathan got a little carried away with the snow on the roof, though. I, I came in this morning and thought, man, is this really March and spring, or is this uh, winter out there so much up there? But uh, praise the Lord for all that moss killer uh, given. And then we had people out at the Irving property. I understand they had a good work day out there as well. So just a lot going on, and thank the Lord for all those that participated and and may God be glorified as we exchange our robes for His robes. Uh, what do your robes look like? Yeah, before. Yeah, they're filthy rags, weren't they? Isaiah, I think it's 64, says that all of our righteousness is but filthy rags. 
in his size, either 63 or 64. And uh, that's the robes that I gave him, my filthy rags, in exchange for his robes, robes of royalty. We put on those royal robes and become a child of the King when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. And that's what Easter is all about. And by the way, next week is Easter. And uh, that is hard to believe, isn't it, that it's coming up that quick. And, and uh, uh, let me see if I can find my PowerPoint presenter. I put it down someplace. And who knows? There it is. Thank you, Yoshi. Good eyes. Good voice, good eyes. You're good for something. That's good. Yoshi's good for a lot, isn't he? I tell you what. He carried a lot of chairs yesterday. He was there in the morning and at night. We, we set out somewhere around 260 chairs, if you can imagine, and put them out and put them back and everything. And in less than an hour's time, it was, it was just amazing. And all 600 cookies, too, that we had yesterday. Uh, by the way, we have about 300 left. If you want a cookie, you can have one um, after services. And we'll be eating them during our work parties, Brother Mike, when we have people out there on Irving. We'll serve them out there as well. Uh, next Sunday, Easter, to prepare for Easter, uh, know that uh, we're not going to have a Sunday school next Sunday. We're not going to have a Sunday night. Everything's going to be focused in the morning. And uh, we have flyers in the back. We want you to, to invite people to come. Will you do that? You can pick those up on the back table back there. We're also having what's called Evangelism Day around here. We're going to meet at 10 o'clock next Saturday, praying for good weather. And we're going to pass out about 2,000 of these. And so you come at 10 o'clock and help us pass these out, and we'll invite people to Easter. You know, it's one of the it's probably the, the most special day of the year. Uh, not only does it have the Jewish uh, ideas of the Passover, but it also has the, the idea of the resurrection. And this week, by the way, is called Passion Week. How many knew that? Passion Week. Uh, today is Palm Sunday. How many grew up uh, and got a palm on Palm Sunday? Can I see your hands? All right. If you were like me, you probably had no idea what that palm was for. I grew up, they gave me a palm on Sunday. I had no idea what it was for. They never explained it. We just knew it was Palm Sunday. Well, it's in reference to the triumphal entry. And there is more significance to it than what we understand in our simple imaginations. It is about the triumphal entry, but it is also the 10th of Nisan, if I said that right. It is the first month of the Jewish calendar on the 10th day. It is the day that the Paschal Lamb was to be taken. And it was to be kept for four days. And so we're going to look at those significance this morning. You have an outline in your uh, bulletin there. You've seen this before. And I dare say I could probably talk on this every uh, Palm Sunday to explain the week, to help remind us of what the significance of this day is and this week that's before us. Uh, I don't know how many times I've read through these things and, and uh, looked at it and, and other stories in the Bible. In fact, this morning I, uh, I read the story of David and Goliath. Has anybody heard that story before? Does it ever grow old? It never grows old. I'm telling you what, Brother Mike, I was reading it this morning as if I was reading it for the very first time. The courage that this young teenager have had to go against Goliath. 
And by the way, that should be the courage that all of us have because we serve the same God that, uh, that David had. Isn't that true? We serve a God who is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. He is with us. We just need to understand that David had such courage as he went out there against Goliath. Um, last August, Brother Kistler challenged us to learn a verse a week, to memorize a verse a week. And I've, I've been trying to do that in my uh, aged mind in hopes that it might uh, gain more scriptural knowledge and uh, claim I, uh, Psalm 119 where it says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed to thy word? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And so bringing God's word, memorizing God's word, and also to sharpen my mind so that I can remember better. And Cheryl, you've probably noticed the great improvement of my memory, haven't you? Yes, she's shaking her head, yes. I'm not sure that it's always working, but uh, truly it has been rich. And what I started is in memorizing, I started with Isaiah 41.10, where it says, Fear not, be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, I will help thee, I will hold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And many verses that I was memorizing are dealing with courage and not to fear and to trust in the Lord and about our faith and things like this. And and the Lord has been a blessing just in going over them. Sometimes I don't remember the references. I met a man at the funeral or the memorial yesterday and he gave his granddaughter uh, Jeremiah where it, uh, it uh, was talking about, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Jeremiah 29:11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And I says, you know, that's one of the verses that I've memorized, and it's wonderful to memorize the scriptures. And so as we get into this Passion Week, there are many things that you've heard time and time again. And I don't want this just to be an academic exercise. And sometimes I'm afraid as we give a lot of information and things like that, that sometimes it can stay right here. It needs to go right down here. It needs to go right down here. Now, the first very important information that I want to give you. Easter is not about the Easter bunny. How many understand that? All right. <laughs> it's not about the Easter bunny. In fact, I'm not absolutely sure. I'm Brother McCoy, you probably have a lesson on the Easter bunny when it came into the scene and everything. I don't know. But it is not about the Easter bunny. It is about Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, his burial, and his resurrection. That's the good news, isn't it, Cheryl? Good news. Jesus Christ came and died for me. For my sins. And when I understood that I was a sinner in need of a Savior, I invited Him into my heart and my life has been changed. The resurrection is not just about Jesus Christ arising from the tomb. It's about resurrection of our own lives, becoming alive. And the truth is that someday we're going to have a resurrection in heaven of a new body. Praise the Lord. We'll get rid of these old knees and these old brains and these old noses and whatever else, the ears that are growing long and whatever. God has come to this world to die and to give us a new life. Amen to that. I'm glad for it. So as we get into this and all the, the details of it, I want you to turn to John 13 verse 1. And the significance, and if I could just emphasize this to you, uh, in fact, as we, we see uh, him coming in on our chart here as well, you'll, you'll see him arriving uh, there on Friday or Saturday. We're not exactly sure what day it was, but he comes into Bethany. Bethany, and, and as he's coming into Bethany, uh, he, he runs across the guy 
In chapter 12, uh, I don't know if it's in this chapter 12, but we see some place, I believe it is, about uh, uh, meeting uh, Zacchaeus on his way in. Remember Zacchaeus? He was a wee little man. Wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. By the way, that is going to be the message at uh, Judy Skinner's memorial, which is April 12th. You can imagine. She, I says, Judy, why do you want me to preach that message? She says, uh, that was one of my favorite messages that you preached a long time ago. Why did Zacchaeus climb up into the sycamore tree? So you'll have to come to where I have a memorial on a Sunday night, if you can imagine. But yet the service and all the things that are involved with that will be uh, about our Lord coming for us. And he wanted to see Zacchaeus saved. He says, you come down, or I'm coming to your house today. I'm glad Jesus came to my house and saved my soul. So we see in chapter 12, him coming to Bethany. And, and, uh, and in chapter 12, just one verse before we get to chapter 13. It's verse 23 of chapter 12. Jesus answered them, saying, what? The hour is come. The hour is is come the significance of the hour of when Jesus died on that cross the significance of the hour the very hour i'm telling you my friends the hour that Jesus Christ died on the cross uh, split eternity of times past to the times future to the very hour that was prophesied back in the Old Testament all the way from the book of Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation about Jesus Christ and every minutest of details, you will discover that He's going to die on the very hour that the Paschal Lamb was to be slain. It was to be slain between 3 o'clock and 5 o'clock. What hour did He die? 3 o'clock. And when he died, the veil of the temple was split in two. Can you imagine? That was the very beginning of when that that time that the Paschal Lamb was to be slain. The very hour at three o'clock on the dot, Jesus Christ died on the cross. Did God know about all that before eternity? He sure did before, before eternity. Eternity is eternity. You can't have before eternity, can you? Eternity is eternity. He knew it from the foundation of the world, the very hour. And Jesus Christ says, the very hour has come. And then chapter 13. Now, uh, chapter 13 of John, it, it begins this upper room discourse. Uh, now, before the feast of that, uh, his hour was come that he should depart out of this world. Unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. There is such significance that he brings out here the very hour. Now let me just say this, that in this Passover, that there is some some differences of... uh, of, of thoughts here, and uh, and that is that Jesus Christ celebrated the Passover as described in the book of Exodus, chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12 uh, goes into well, let's go back to, to here this 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 time, and and um, well, I think I can jump. Well, let's see, I got to go right. I got that. Boy, where's all these people coming from? There you go. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their father, a lamb for an house. 
What we understand is that Jesus Christ celebrated his Passover with his disciples on Thursday, right? On Friday, remember he was supposed to be taken off the cross before Friday evening because that's when the Jews celebrated their Passover. And when I say the Jews, can I say that there was the Sadducees and there was the Pharisees? And they had two different celebrations for the Passover. One followed a solar year and the other followed a lunar year. You say, boy, that's that's do you all know that our calendar that we have today is different than what it was back then? And the Jews have their own calendar, which, by the way, they have been celebrating for some five over five thousand years. Their calendar It is a lunar calendar. Now, we today celebrate a solar calendar. And the Jews, when they put together their days and their hours, and this is where it can become confusing and why some people have tried to be skeptical of the harmony of the Gospels because of the different times and aspects of this, is that you have to understand that there were some Jews that started their day at 6 o'clock in the morning. That was the Roman, that was the, the Galilean time. And others started their, their day at 6 o'clock at night or the... Uh, uh, the evening, and you find that back in the book of Genesis where it says, and the evening and the morning was the first day and the second day and things like that. And so we, we see that in, in that confusion in these four Gospels and all. And so as the Jews were putting together their calendar, we also today understand that Easter does not fall on the same Sunday every year. Have you ever noticed that? You say, what in the world is going on? Why is it, you know, sometimes it's at the end of April and sometimes it's in the end of March. Why is there such a, a variation? Well, if you go by the solar calendar, we have 12 months. Some of them, one has 28 days. Some of them have tw uh, 30. Some of them have 31 days. A solar calendar has 30, 365 and one quarter days. Is that correct? And every year, or excuse me, every four years, we have what's called a leap year. Now, the Jews, they have a lunar calendar. And a lunar calendar has 28 and a half days per month. Now, you add up 12, 28 and a half days, and you'll find that you're 11 days short of a year. And you start scratching your head, and you say, man, we're... Time is not quite the same. It doesn't look the same. Spring is getting a little colder, you know. And so what the Jews did is they added a leap year. I'm excuse me, a leap month. A leap month. So every two to three years, they will put in a 13th month. Isn't that something? Boy, say, that's weird. Yeah, it is. But that's how you have to figure it, you know. And everything, they put in a 13th month and that just corrects their uh, their calendar. And so now as we're getting a little bit closer to, to March and everything, then it's going to jump all the way to the end of April. And you can discover that. And they have their calendar set up. And they know years in advance of when Easter or Passover, excuse me, is going to be for them. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to die on the very hour. No matter what confusion, and he celebrates that Passover the very hour with his disciples there in the upper room. And then he is going to be the Passover when he dies on the cross, the slain lamb. 
Boy, I tell you, that's some significance to this. And so I encourage you as you as you as you look at this. And so as we get into these days and and everything, and by the way, our calendar changes today as well. Have you noticed that? How many remember that spring fell on the 21st of March? How many remember that? How many live when spring never fell on the 20th of March? Some of you that are my age, it should be at least. I'm not the only person that remembers that. They changed it, didn't they? They changed it to where it would adjust to the, the reference to the, um, the leap year, closer to the leap year or further away from the leap year. So two out of the years, it's the 20th, and two out of the years, it's the 21st. So, so we see these changes. And, but yet when God wrote the Bible and when he saw into eternity, and Jesus says there in John chapter 13, verse 1, his hour was come. God knew all about all those things. And so he comes in to Bethany, and uh, he uh, there is uh, warmly welcomed with uh, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Their home there in Bethany. And uh, it's a marvelous, uh, in chapter 11, Lazarus is, I believe it's chapter 11, Lazarus is raised from the dead. And uh, now he's coming back into their home, and Lazarus is alive. Can you imagine what a witness that was to people? And uh, Mary there anoints Jesus' feet. And uh, it's it's such a beautiful picture. In fact, this morning, I wanted just a little bit more information about it. And so I was reading about it because there's another anointing in uh, Luke chapter 7. And what can bring confusion is you see that anointing in chapter 7 of Luke and you see these other anointings here at the end of his life and you, you try to mesh them together and you find out that all the details don't match up. And you have to understand that the Bible was written by four different authors but one human author over a span of approximately 50 A.D. to 90 A.D., some 20 to 30 to 60 years after Jesus arose, the Gospels were being written and they were written to a particular people for different emphasis. Some of them are in chronological orders and some of them group the, the, the ideas together. And so when you read this, you discover that there's some differences here. And the skeptics want to say, well, there's just heirs in the Bible. It's not heirs in the Bible. You discover there are two different events. The one in Luke chapter 7 is about Simon, who was a Pharisee. And it's interesting. What were the Pharisees? Look at me. And there in Luke chapter 7, this woman who was declared a sinner. A sinner comes and anoints Jesus with this priestly ointment. And the picture there is about forgiveness. But you read now here on Friday, Saturday, where Mary of Bethany anoints Jesus. It is a picture of worship. And it's interesting there. They're in Simon's house. The other one was in Simon's house, the Pharisee. Now in John, they're in Simon, the leper's house. Y'all know there's more than one Simon in the Bible. There are nine Simons in the Bible. You're not a leper anymore. Well, he's called the leper's house because, you know, sometimes your past goes along with you and you're identified by sometimes things of your past. You know, there are more than one Marys in the Bible, too. You ever get confused reading all the Marys that are in the Bible? I think there's six of them. 
Six Marys. And you're reading and sometimes you don't have last names like Larson. Mary Larson. But oh, I tell you, that name Mary is a precious name, isn't it? The Bible says because of what she did there, that the gospel, anytime the gospel or wherever the gospel is preached, her name is to be mentioned. Are there any Marys in here? Go see. We had two Marys in our first service. We have one Mary back there. Any other Marys? Isn't that interesting? We have Marys in our church. It's a good name. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes that it's better to have a good name than the wealth of the world. Proverbs tells us that a bad name, you don't want to have a bad name. Is anybody named Judas in here? David, will you name any of your children Judas? Why? It's not a good name. It's associated with a traitor. And it's interesting, that story of the anointing where Mary... Here she comes in with this, this precious ointment and she breaks it open and she anoints his head and she anoints his feet with her hair. And by the way, a Jewish woman, her hair, by the way, all women, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, hair is, our, is the glory given to a woman. And she takes her hair and she takes it out of the bun that it was wrapped up into. And in public, you weren't supposed to do that. And she unfolds her hair and she washes his feet in reverence. The love that she had for her Savior. What a picture. Some of us, my friends, have never caught hold of that picture. Of how much He deserves our sacrifice and our love and everything about us. And so we see this on Friday and Saturday. And and, uh, as He he comes in to Jerusalem, then on, on Sunday, Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry. We read about this in Zechariah's account some 400 years or 500 years before Jesus comes. Uh, Rejoice greatly, O daughters of Zion. Shout, O daughters of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation. Lowly and riding upon an ass, upon a colt of a foal of an ass. Here prophesied that he would come in riding in. How did Jesus come into Jerusalem? Riding on a donkey. Riding on a donkey. And by the, by the way, there are so many wonderful details to these very uh, minutest of details that God saw in, the, in eternity. He brings them out. And we see that on this day, the 10th of uh, Nisan. If that's how, I'm, I'm not sure how you say it. Is that Nisan? Something like that. Does anybody know how to say it properly? No, it's not Toyota. It's Nisan. All right. <laughs> ah. He comes in. This is that day that the Paschal Lamb was to be separated. You see, the Paschal Lamb was to be separated for four days. And so all this in the course, God says, my hour. He comes riding in. Now, here is the picture of Jerusalem uh, of the time of Christ. Now, I know it's awfully hard to see it, but some of you have it in your Bibles. And you can look at this in your Bibles. This is the picture of Jerusalem today. Do you notice all that green up there? Guess what all that green is? Land that is occupied by Palestine or Palestine or the Palestines. You see the Gaza Strip over there. Gaza Strip over here. Here's the West Bank. Look at how big the West Bank is. By the way, Israel 
was about the size of the Willamette. I mean, it used to be bigger. It used to come all the way out here and down this way, or not quite down that far, but there's Egypt, by the way. See, when they cross out of Egypt and they come into the promised land, it's right there. That's Africa, right there. Some people say, what about all the heathens in Africa? Man, they are right there. And they come right in. It's interesting looking at maps today and seeing what's surrounding Israel. It's amazing that Israel is even a nation today. Would you not agree? Especially with our country's changing. So anyway, so here is, and, and this is this big election, I think, uh, that uh, Ron Mose was talking about, this big election that the guy that uh, didn't want to give back the lands and things like that. But it's, it's really a hotbed over there. And, and all. I hope to come over there and see it someday. But this is, this is uh, Israel today. Now back there, and if you can see this, here is Jerusalem. And here is Bethany. So he comes there on... <clears throat> Friday, Saturday, he comes. Uh, I'll go back one, one picture, maybe. Let's go back here. He comes from Galilee, and he's coming down here, and this is where he's going to cross. He goes through Jericho. That's where Zacchaeus comes to know the Lord, and he's going to go into Bethany right there. He comes in, he crosses. Why didn't he cross here? Samaritan. And so um, the major road of the Jews to travel was down on the east side of the Jordan River. And he came in and came down here to Bethany. All right. So we we see that. <clears throat> and as he's there, he, he's going to go. He's going to stay in Bethany uh, and then he's going to go to Jerusalem. And you'll see that <clears throat> uh, he uh, has his triumphal entry on Sunday. And here's kind of a picture of. Of, of, of the journeys in the last week of Christ. By the way, we all understand that there are 89 chapters in the Gospels. 30 of those chapters, 30 of those chapters deal with this last week. 30 chapters, the last week. What does that tell you? Jesus Christ came. To die. And this last week is so detailed. By the way, if you take all 89 chapters, Jesus lived on this world for 33 years. In that period of 33 years, the gospel records just 50 days of his life. Just 50 days. You'll see there the birth is mentioned in Matthew and also in Luke's account. It's not in Mark's account. It's not in John's account. Only Luke has Jesus there for one instance when he was 12 years of age. And then you get right into the ministry of Jesus Christ, the last three, four years of his life. And then you see 30% of the Bible, of the Gospels, excuse me, of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, deal with this last week. And these are the events. And tonight we're going to uh, finish up this message. So you've got to come back tonight. Tonight's communion. And we're going to talk about the six trials tonight and about the crucifixion tonight. I think it's very fitting as we celebrate communion uh, tonight. So he comes in and uh, let's see if I can put my point on it. So you can see that he comes down and he's going to come up riding on a donkey. Guess where he's going to come to? The Eastern Gate. When he comes back, where's he going to come to? The eastern gate. Remember, he's going to land on the Mount of Olives. 
You know, it's interesting as you study all this, this out. I mean, God does not make any mistakes in his word. That there on the Garden of Gethsemane, there at the foot of the Mount of Olives, he prays in the garden there about not my will, but thy will be done. And he's taken by the Sanhedrin and the religious people. And he's taken to the halls there. Uh, and we'll, we'll look at that, uh, the house of Cephas down here. And we'll follow his journey tonight as he's taken from the Garden of Gethsemane. But here he's coming riding in on a donkey to the eastern gate. Do you know that even back in the book of Nehemiah, when Nehemiah built the walls of Jerusalem, he talks about the eastern gate. There in Nehemiah chapter uh, <clears throat> 3, he says that the gate that looketh towards the east and the glory of the Lord came into the house of the way of the gate whose prospects is towards the east. You know, we look uh, there towards that gate. Ezekiel talks about that gate as well as the gates of the sanctuary facing east. It's going to be shut. Did you know that that gate is shut today? In fact, it was destroyed in 70 A.D. when the, uh, I think it's Titus, destroyed uh, Jerusalem and all. But as it was there as a part, and the Jews, is very the eastern gate is where the Jews were looking for their Messiah to come. And they missed it. He came walking in. That's, by the way, they, why Palm Sunday is they strewed the lines with the palms uh, and gave honor, hail, Hosea, uh, Hosanna, uh, son of the highest, and all that. And yet, as uh, Pastor Nathan said in the first service, many of those people were the ones who cried out, crucify him, less than a week later. They missed it. They didn't realize he was coming as a suffering servant. They wanted him to be king. Oh, he'll come back as king through those eastern gates again. It says here in Ezekiel chapter 44, this gate shall remain shut. The Muslims have built and, uh, and rocked it in back in the 1600s. And, and whether they understood all the prophecies or anything else, they wanted it to remain shut. And so they did something in front of the eastern gate so that no one would tread through that eastern gate. Yet they did. They put in a cemetery. Guess what? Do you think a cemetery is going to stop Jesus Christ? He's coming again. And He's going to come to the Mount of Olives, this same Jesus, which you have seen taken up from you. So, so, so come in like manner. He's coming again. One day He's coming. And it could be soon. could be soon. Oh, so we see this triumphal entry there in, on Sunday uh, we see Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. He enters the temple. Then he goes back to Bethany. Bethany is about two miles away from Jerusalem. Why doesn't he stay in Jerusalem? There was a price on his head. The Jews wanted him to be executed. And so he comes and he stays here in Bethany. And he goes back and forth. And you'll notice on your chart... That he comes in on Monday and he curses the fig tree, which is a symbol of, 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 the, of the Israel that's on their coin, the, the fig tree. Uh, and then he goes back to Bethany with his entourage. Then on Tuesday, he comes back and they see the withered fig tree, which is a symbol that, G, that the Israelites had, had forsaken uh, their Messiah and they rejected their Messiah and they, they rejected God's way. And, uh, and then you notice that he gives the Olivet Discourse. 
The Olivet Discourse. Do you see that on Tuesday? And the Olivet Discourse is well explained in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In Matthew, it's chapter 24 and 25. Two chapters. And the Olivet Discourse is about Jesus Christ coming again. And he lays this down as they're on the Mount of Olives. And he tells them about his coming again. You can read it there. It's also in Mark and in Luke. But to notice, it's not in John. It's interesting that from the triumphal entry all the way down now to Thursday, John is silent. You see that on the chart? And then, as you see on Thursday, you'll see the upper room discord. Course, I keep saying that wrong. The upper room discourse, and you notice that Matthew, Mark, and Luke do not record it. Here are five, was it uh, John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. Five chapters. It is the longest message of Jesus in the Bible. It covers five chapters. There he starts off with John 13, which we read at the beginning. My hours come. Now listen, by the way, this is on Thursday, coming closer to evening time. And we're talking about a short window here, a few hours that he gives these five chapters. You understand that? I mean, sometimes you can read one chapter, read the next chapter, and 25 years has passed. When you read John 13 through John 17, we're talking about hours. My hours here, fellas. I have loved you up to the end. And now I want you to understand some very, very important things. He tells them in chapter 14. He says, I go to my father. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and I'll receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way, you know. Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. And we don't know the way. And Jesus said, I am the way. The truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He wanted to make it very clear. And my friends, every church ought to make it very clear that the gospel is through Jesus Christ and Him only. Amen? And amen. Then he goes on and he talks about, he says, listen guys, I'm leaving you. But I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And he'll be your comfort there in John chapter 14 and John chapter 16 about the Spirit coming and guiding us in truth and showing us things to come. And then chapter 17. What is John chapter 17 about? It's called the high priestly prayer where he prays for his disciples. And he, by the way, he prays for us as well. And all those that you'll give them to us. So this is on Thursday night. Thursday night. And so you see there as you go from Tuesday and the... Olivet Discourse. And Wednesday is more of a silent day. We're not all sure what's taking place there. Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday is the preparation for the Passover. And so they come to this upper room. What's so interesting to me, as, as Jesus is in Bethany, he says, I want you to go find someone in Jerusalem. And, they're go- and that man is going to have a place for us to come and celebrate the Passover. Remember what, I think it's Matthew tells us, how they would recognize the man. By the way, there's a lot of Jews here at this time, right? 
I mean, they were all preparing for the Passover. This was such an important time. And, and here, the disciples are going to go into Jerusalem to find a place where they can celebrate the Passover, where it will be safe. He says, as you go into Jerusalem, and there might be uh, a quarter million Jews there. Unusual, that many, but it was the Passover, highest day of the Jewish celebration. I want you to find a man. Can you imagine? Carrying a pitcher of water. Now, that was the women's job, wasn't it? But there would be one man that God knew about that was carrying a pitcher of water. And that's where they were going to celebrate the Passover at his upper room. God knows the very details of our lives down to carrying a pitcher of water. And someday there might be a time when God says, you know what, I want you to carry a pitcher of water. Walter, you better carry that pitcher of water. We might not understand all the significance of the things that happened in our 95 years. Someone said that you're having a birthday this week. It's a good week to have a birthday, by the way. Isn't it, Cheryl? 95 years. How many things has God asked us to do? How many details of our life that sometimes we think is insignificant? Can you imagine? You might think you have a life of insignificance, but yet God has said it so clearly. I want you to find a man who has a pitcher of water that he's carrying. Wow. Don't ever trivialize your life. God has a plan for every one of us. He knows the very hairs on our head, and he has a plan. And God makes no mistakes. Down to the very hour. And you know what's so significant about this is, remember the triumphal entry was on the 10th of Nisan. Now it's going to be the 14th of Nisan. And as we read about this in Exodus chapter 12, they're going to take that lamb and they're going to slay and they're going to, ha- they're going to eat the Passover there, which was according to this, this, this calendar uh, in Exodus 12 verses 4 through 6. And if the household be too little for that lamb, and, and uh, I love what Turner, Brother Turner says about that. He says, you know, the lamb is never too little. It's always the house is too little. God is sufficient. Amen. Let him and his neighbors next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man, according to his eating thereof, make your count for the lamb. And they're going to slay the lamb. They're going to celebrate the Passover there, the Last Supper. Uh, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year, Jesus Christ without spot. Uh, Isaiah tells us about that. Uh, he shall take it out from the sheep, from the goats, and he shall keep it up until the 14th day. So from Sunday to Thursday, here's this protection of that lamb. And God protected his son because he had a very hour of which Jesus was going to die. The same month, Nisan, the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And we know that Jesus Christ uh, died in the evening, by the way, of the Old Testament in which the Sadducees uh, took. They, they, they slew the land 
excuse me, they slew the Paschal lamb between 3 o'clock and 5 o'clock. Why? Because on the Jewish hour, what starts the next day? 6 o'clock. Remember, they wanted all these to die before the Passover began. And here what we see is not only on this Thursday does Jesus Christ represent the Passover of, of the, the Pharisees and, and a system there, but he also takes himself and becomes the sacrifice on Friday, the very next day. And what hour did he die? Three o'clock. When was the Paschal lamb to be slain? Between three and five. Can you imagine the surprise as they were all trying to bring their lambs to the the temple to be sacrificed? The very first one. And the one that counts and the most important one is Jesus Christ. He died the very hour that God said. Father, I pray that you'll help us now as we take in all this information, but not just to have it for information's sake, but that it might become a part of fibers of our understanding of the ends of the Gospels and also the understanding of the details of our lives and the details of Jesus and and how that you so infinitely know all things. You make no mistakes. And it is my prayer that each one of us might understand that as a born-again believer that we have a significance of what you have for our lives. I just pray that we'll be obedient and that we'll love you. There might be, though, some here, Father, that have never accepted Christ as their Savior. I pray that today would be the day that they invite Christ into their heart to understand that Jesus Christ came to this world to save sinners, those who are condemned, those who will spend eternity in hell and have no hope of heaven unless they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, not in our works or nothing else but only in Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Him. So heads are bowed and eyes are, no, uh, eyes are closed. Uh, this being Palm Sunday, what a wonderful day. If you understand why Jesus came, He came for you. And He died for you. As I said earlier, I grew up getting a palm on Sunday, having no idea what it was about. But today I understand he came and he entered Jerusalem. A dangerous feat there to be. But he rode in on that donkey because he fulfilled Zechariah's prophecy. And then he comes into that upper room to celebrate that Passover, which was a picture of Israel being delivered out of Egypt and the slavery that they were in and the death that they were in being delivered out of that. As he says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Have you applied the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to your soul today by accepting him as your savior? And when we die, God sees the blood and he too will pass over us being saved and born again rather than condemned to hell. I want it to be very clear, my friend. It needs to be clear. This morning. Why don't you accept Him as your Savior? If you see yourself in need of a Savior, not certain of your eternal destiny, 
Why don't you put your faith in Him? You can visit with me after the service. You can invite Him into your heart right now. I could come over to your house, but you need to, you need to, if God's opening your eyes of understanding on this, you need to put your faith in Christ. So as we give this invitation, that's the most important aspect of this invitation. Father, I pray that you'll save folks this day. I thank you for those who have put their faith in Christ. Thank you for that, Lord, that we can answer, yes, Christ has come in. And I, I have had and I understand uh, with my heart that Jesus died for me. I'm saved now. Thank you for that. I pray that it will, will cause us to live a life that is uh, wanting to share with others and to live a life that has significance because now we belong to Jesus. So, Lord, I pray that you'll just uh, work in our hearts and lives and that you'll work in a very special way. Grant unto us the decisions for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. What's the page number? 146. If you'll find your songbooks there, we don't have it up on the screen. 146. We're going to sing this together. And as we sing it together, it says, Jesus paid it all. Linda, is there anything else you can add to it? Nope. Walt, is there anything else you can add to it? Paid in full. My sin debt. Paid in full. Are you glad for that? You know, as we come to Easter time, there's a lot of people that don't have that paid in full stamped on their soul. And I want to challenge you. You need to share your faith so other people can hear this story. It's a liberating story. It's a wonderful story. Next Sunday we have Easter. We should be living our lives so that people will see Christ in us. You think of what He went through for your sins. How can we live selfishly? How can we, how can we just go about our life as if God doesn't matter? He said, you matter. You matter. We need to make sure He matters in our lives. And as we understand what God has done for us and all these things that we've talked about today, let's make sure He matters in our life. If you're not saved, get saved before it really matters. And if we've been living a nonchalant life, not being committed to the Lord, not asking what He has, whether He wants us to carry a jug of water, you know, so often we make our decisions not asking what God has for us, and we miss those opportunities. God, what do you have for me this week? You know, I was thinking, Alicia, I don't know why oftentimes my mind goes about a day late and a dollar short, but it would have been great for us to have taken all of our Easter, or some of our Easter flyers to the memorial and set them on the cookie table. Somebody could have picked them up there and said, you know what, there's a place we can go to have an Easter service. Never thought about it until this morning. Of course, my staff didn't think about it either, so I wasn't the only one. <laughs> but it matters. God, what do you want me to do? Every day, get up, Harold. God, what do you want for me today? Order my steps. The steps of a good man are ordered, even to carry a jug of water. Let's stand together. Jesus paid it all. I hear the Savior say, Watch and pray, find in me.
sins away. Let's sing the last verse. And when His lips are still repeating. And I'm going to tell you something. When you stand before the Savior and you see His nail-pierced hands, we will totally understand what He has done for us. I hope that there will not be regrets of our lives. I hope that He'll say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. Thank the Lord for the decisions that we can make. And if you've made a decision this morning, I trust that you'll share it. Maybe write it down. Tell someone about it. If you've accepted the Lord, it's a good thing to tell people about it. If you still need to accept the Lord, don't hesitate to come up and visit before you leave. God's given us a wonderful Savior. Amen? Well, as you go, tonight we'll be celebrating a special Easter communion. I hope you'll come back at 6 o'clock. And there's Easter flyers on the back table back there. We'll also be having Evangelism Day Saturday. What time? 10 o'clock. So be here. We have 2,000 flyers to come out. We're praying for good weather. I'd much rather pass them out in good weather because I am sometimes am a fair-weather Christian. But uh, we will pray and pass them out no matter what because they're, they're dated. And we want to get them out there. All right? So be here 10 o'clock Saturday. And then uh, also Easter. Remember, no Sunday schools. And no evening service on Easter. And we got one other thing that's taking place, but I can't remember. Oh, there's uh, flyers on the back for people that want to volunteer to work on the property. We'd really like you to fill that out and ta- turn it into the Welcome Center so we can have. There's a lot that's going on this week and a lot that's continuing on. So if you can be a part of that, please let us know that. God bless you. You are dismissed. <laughs>